Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back, everyone, to the PeaceWorks Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about ineffective pastoral responses to abusers. But before we do that, I want to remind you of PeaceWorks University. You know, I come on here every week and say a phrase similar to this. If you are benefiting from the things you're hearing here on the PeaceWorks podcast, PeaceWorks University is your best next step. It it really is. Uh, we have a healthy, robust community of people helpers uh, that you get connected to, as well as all the resources, including this year, uh, our deliverables are much more interactive. Uh, like our monthly Q&A and our monthly shepherding team consults and our uh, monthly office hours where you get to interact with us a lot more uh, this year. So again, if you are benefiting from what you're hearing here on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University, that's your best next step. So today's question is titled Ineffective Responses to Abusers. Uh, but I do want to read the whole question and then try to try to walk try to walk through it because it is um, quite large. Some pastors, after receiving an abuse disclosure from a woman in their congregation, choose to relate to the abusive husband in an ambiguous but friendly way. The pastor takes the husband out for coffee or breakfast, maybe invites him to a Bible study, offers to pray with him. Essentially, he's investing time in this abusive man in a way that is vaguely discipleship-oriented but still does not confront the abuse. In what ways might this kind of response cause harm or confusion? Is this kind of response better than no response at all? Let's start with the, the last question first. I mean, is this response better than no response at all? I mean, it can be. It just depends. And I really want to address maybe some of the assumptions in the question. And again, I, I don't want to come off as negative. I actually think the way the question is worded, that would be an inappropriate response or an incomplete response might be a better way to put it. Uh, For a pastor to just engage vaguely enough in friendly banter to not confront uh, is, is not helpful. So to answer the last part of the question, I mean, it's not, it's not superior to no response, but, but also being friendly and being inviting and being engaging is not necessarily a problem. So let me try to unpack this the best I can. When a pastor is invited in, and the the question begins after receiving an abuse disclosure. So at this point, I've got a disclosure. Am I, my question would be, am I free to confront him? Like, is there permission for me to confront him? Do I have a safety plan in place that makes it safe for me to confront him? Um, How am I expected to operate as the pastor here? Um, Because if I go in, and I just want to be fair here, if I take a disclosure and I go in um, theoretically guns a-blazing, right, it might actually cause more harm than good. I, I may not be effectuating the change that she needs or I may be inviting escalation. If, however, she has a safety plan in place, we've established 
protocols by which she can rely on, say, an advocate or on her counselor or on other members of the church, and I have the freedom to pursue a confrontation, then I can come in a little hotter than normal. Uh, so that needs to be, I think, uh, established. Like what what is the parameters? What where how am I operating? What are the expectations? And so I I want to speak to how ineffective this can be for sure. But I also want to give the pastor a little bit of a benefit of the doubt and saying, what's he been invited to do? Second to that, and I, I know this this might cause a little bit of heat, but I do want to set this up because I am going to go into what I think would be most effective, but I do want to remind us that the pastor's role here after a disclosure is not necessarily punitive. Our first response to an abusive individual is not uh, pejorative or punitive. It's not an attack posture. It's a redemptive posture, and that may come off as friendly or inviting. And, And here's what I mean by that. Let's say I'm in the pastor's shoes. I've received a disclosure, and I am invited to speak into the abusive individual's life. Would I take them out for coffee or breakfast? I may. That may be a totally reasonable venue uh, or opportunity to have that discussion. So breakfast, coffee, that type of environment is not automatically communicating that I've taken his side or that I'm not saying hard things. It is merely a venue in which both of us may agree to communicate. It's also a safe venue for me uh, as it's in public, to be quite honest, if depending upon the severity uh, or the volatility of the individual. Um, Inviting him to a Bible study, offering to pray with him, also not in and of themselves ineffective strategies, but um, they could be incomplete. That's that's what I'm getting at. I know I'm going a long way around the barn to try to say this. I don't know that those are ineffective strategies. I think they're incomplete strategies if they're standalone. If my mindset of a pastor, as a pastor, is I've got this disclosure I'm really want to affect change. And my strategy is to, you know, kindly walk with him as a brother and a friend that's incomplete as I also have a role of confronting and holding accountable. And I do think there is a mindset that confronting is always pejorative or always punitive. And that's not the case confronting should be redemptive and restorative. And that can happen over coffee. That can happen at breakfast it can happen in a Bible study, especially if it's like a men of peace group where we're studying scripture as a group with a with a goal or an agenda. And it can happen in prayer uh, for sure. But the questioner goes on to say, investing time um, in is vaguely discipleship-oriented, but it does not confront the abuse. If at the end of the day, my strategies of building involvement and engagement with an abusive partner do not result in opportunities to speak hard things or specific things, then yes, it is incomplete is probably the way I would put it rather than ineffective. It is absolutely incomplete. While our job is not punitive or pejorative, 
it is specific. And so I want to make sure that my interactions as a, a, as a pastor whose role is to gently restore those who are sinning, according to Galatians 6, is that I need to be able to move from vague generalities to specific aspects of his heart and specific practical applications. Can that happen over a series of coffee or breakfast meetings? It can. It really can. Can it happen in certain types of Bible studies? It can. And should prayer be involved? Absolutely. But those tools alone, uh, without the consistent specificity that is needed to draw out heart change, will be ineffective. And so to answer the question, yeah, that, that model, incomplete, without moving to specific accountability and calls for change, will be ineffective at drawing out the abusive heart. There has to come a time in those interactions, and it should come relatively quickly. So there's an old biblical counseling key element called involvement. We talk about the idea of building involvement. Some folks will use the word passport. Have you gained passport into their story, into their life? And there is an aspect in which um, abuse disclosures, for the sake of safety, will require not tiptoeing, but play, but perhaps a slow playing of that involvement, getting to know the individual so that you can effectively speak truth into their life. Because that truth that you're going to speak is hard. Being able to say, you know, talk to me about why we're here. What is it about this particular interaction with your wife that's unusual? Or tell me about how you responded in this situation. Um, what, when was the first time you used that language? When was the most recent time you used that type of language? When was the most significant or severe time in which you used that language? And so what we're doing is we're finding a foothold to ask those hard questions and then to speak honestly back into, um, this individual's life. So again, friendly, friendly methodology, Acts of kindness, uh, those are not necessarily indicators of collusion alone. They can be, um, but they can also be just aspects of your character as a pastor. So kindness, um, gentleness, patience, those could speak more to the pastor's virtue, right, than the perpetrator's lack of virtue. Uh, But it is incomplete. Again, if we do not move from the vague generalities of small talk and life to the specific nature and aspects of the behavior, the motivations, the beliefs, and then the need for change by asking those good questions, those hard questions, uh, and then following up with needed truth. Uh, The best way, I think, that a pastor can be effective in my mind, is incorporating a team that helps him navigate uh, the road of confrontation if he's the primary confronter. So if the pastor is the one who's being challenged to confront and work with this individual who's perpetrated acts of abuse against their family, then certainly it would benefit him to have an advocate, to have counselors, to have team members 
who are helping him walk that path so that he does it well. Um, anytime we do this work in isolation, we run the risk of operating out of our blind spots, of lone rangering a situation to the point that um, people are not helped well, or to my original point, strategies are not just ineffective, are not just incomplete, right? But in their being incomplete, they become, as the questioner asks, ineffective. So, uh, yeah, let's keep that in mind. What what can fix that? You know, if a pastor's just unwilling to do confrontational ministry, that's that's a problem, and there probably should be a discussion about that. If a pastor's not skilled at it or not educated at it, which is most common, then I think that's when we can talk about you know, what does it look like to be trained in confrontational ministry, actually doing this hard work of restoring people um, or calling them to restoration, I should say. Uh, what does it look like to ask good questions? Why is that even necessary in the local church? And in particular, why are pastors so important to that role? And I believe that they are. Um, like, I totally see the the questioner's thought process here because so many of us as pastors, we get so close to asking the hard questions or saying the hard things, um, but then we back off. Um, one, because it's not natural for a lot of us. Two, it's not comfortable at all. Three, we've never been taught how to do it. Uh, or four, we don't want to risk upsetting someone, uh, which is not a good reason, but it is a reason nonetheless. So I, I think education's key here. I think it would be helpful if more pastors, elders, and church leaders uh, had that in their tool belt and had those type of discussions uh, regarding how to confront sin in a way that is winsome, um, but also firm and resolute. And that's the, that's the difficult balance, isn't it? I think there is a mentality that we confront sin, you know, uh, like with a hammer and maybe some situations we need to confront it with a scalpel. There are different approaches to, um, yeah, to address sin in a way that is restorative and inviting while at the same time does not compromise your beliefs or the need for safety. So, yeah, I appreciate the question. I, I think it's a good thing to think through is how do we make our responses more effective or uh, more complete? And that would probably be my response to the question as a whole here is I think what makes these type of responses ineffective is that they don't cross the line, the finish line. They don't, they're not complete. They are not in and of themselves bad responses, but they, they don't end with the necessary hard questions or hard truths that need to be spoken. Well, again, I want to thank you guys for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast. Your uh, willingness to tune in week after week uh, keeps our ministry afloat. And uh, letting these platforms know that you're listening uh, helps assure us that we have a place. And so would you uh, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is that the platform uh, asks you to do, would you take the time to do that just to let them know how much you value the PeaceWorks podcast? Thank you guys again for being part of this work. Until next time, friends, God bless.